We're the master of our fates because we going to go off. We're going to go off. We're going to go off with the Going Off podcast with Rap Critic and Muse, the 100th episode. So, of course, it's only fitting that we uh, sample a clip from the surly future classic song, uh, Travis Scott and Quavo featuring Lil Uzi Vert, Go Off, a song that I'm sure will be remembered for generations. Dude, it's gonna uh, be like that fucking We Can Transform Ya song. Is <laughs> that Wayne, Chris Brown? Yeah, it'll be ever t- forever tied to the franchise. Was that for a Transformers movie? No, I don't think so. Okay, I was gonna say because they fucking name drop Voltron in there. It's like, that's kind of shitty. Did they name drop the GoBots as well? Yeah, right? Looks like <laughs> fucking Gundams get name drops. <laughs> um, the, uh, Rage Against the Machine did a song for the uh, Godzilla soundtrack, and halfway through there's a line that says, uh, um, fu- uh, fuck Godzilla, focus on the real killer, and it's like shitting on the movie it's featured in. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I gotta hear this. I don't know if there's ever been an instance of that since or <laughs> Fuck before this movie. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Fuck it's this so, movie, it's a waste of time. Like, I wonder if the song was, like, already partially recorded. It's a natural fit for the soundtrack, and then they just fucking sneaked <laughs> that in. Like, eh, it's like two minutes in, then they're not gonna listen that far in. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I, I, I saw this song, I thought about the, the, um, the Fast and Furious songs of times past. And the, the the one that I mainly remember was Too Fast, Too Furious, Ludacris' Act a Fool, and the fact that somehow he's the one who's still a part of this franchise <laughs> after, like, 15 years. Is he still but, in uh, the movies? Yeah, yeah! He's in the last one, and he's in the next one. I've never seen a single Fast and Furious movie. It's not exactly, like, fucking... Oh man, if you want to know what's going on in the cultural zeitgeist of, of of humanity, look no further than the fucking Fast and Furious franchise. I don't know, maybe it fucking is. <laughs> but I, I, I remember seeing the first one and being like, you know, typical movie of the time. You know what I mean? And then they did the sequel because, of course, they have to do the sequel. And the, the first one had, like, the Ja Rule song. It's kind of like, nah, all right. But fucking Act a Fool is the shit. Like, go listen to Act a Fool by Ludacris. That shit takes the phrase too fast, too furious, and actually makes it sound cool. It, it's a, it stands alone as, like, its own single. Like, it's not chock full of references to the movie. Like, yeah. that, that's what's so bad about the Lil Uzi Vert song is that it constantly makes reference to, like, racing and, like... The lyrics don't sound like a song they would normally sing, which is why it just screams, this is a song for a soundtrack, because it's just describing kind of what's happening in the movie, but being vague. Like, the only way it could have been worse is if it, like, started name-dropping character names. Uh-huh. Like, uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm down with, uh, whoever The Rock's character is. <laughs> <laughs> It don't matter what you said. I try to quote The Rock and shit. They try to throw in, like, shit like they did last time with that fucking, um, Suicide Squad movie. Just like, every year there seems to be this song that's supposed to be like, we're family. And the song is like, how can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? And, like, you watch the movie and they're like, we're a family. It's like, when did this shit start happening? (laughs) No, they're not. Like I guess maybe like offset they are like uh, off of the off the you know maybe they like to hang out with each other but like I don't know maybe I just haven't clicked into this franchise and I didn't realize how much a how much of like a goddamn mafia movie these apparently were trying to be but I never really took it like that like oh family we're we're family like like fucking Suicide Squad we're family even though we've only did you watch fucking Suicide Squad by the way no. Shitty ass piece of shit movie. Of course but- it is, dude. I was <laughs> when I went to see Deadpool, um, quite the opposite of uh, Suicide Squad. <laughs> but um, I saw the trailer for Suicide Squad, and Molly and I looked at each other and we were like, "So you want to see that?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want to see that." But the more and more I heard about it leading up to it, because that was like a few, like a couple months or whatever before it dropped, 
and just hearing about like all the rewrites and all the edits and everything and i was like nah, i'm good <laughs> like when i heard they had to refilm like half the movie for it to be like more funny it's like nah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna set that one out. They didn't refilm it. They re-edited it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Which is kind of worse, actually. Because <laughs> that means they didn't try to, like, create new things. They tried to take what they already had and tried to make it funny. It, like, you could tell they were going for humor in parts. And it, it was just parts where it would be like, that's actually really dumb. Like, there's a part where Batman punches Harley Quinn. And it's like, the audience laughs. And I kind of laugh for a second. Then I'm just like... Wait, why did he just punch? <laughs> like, you know, like... Is there any good reason or motive behind that? Like, they're in the car, and the cars run off the road, and they're, like, they're kind of knocked out. And I think, like, Harley Quinn comes back to life for a second to, like, you know, attack Batman again. And he just punches her in the face. And he's got, like, you know, a big steel arm thing. So it's just like, there's no way that's not, you know... Fucking leaving damage. Like, it's not like, you know, a hand punch. No, it was like a metal-fisted punch in her face. Which is already knocked out in, in the water. Where she'll probably, you know, more likely to die. And it's like, we have no reason to, like, hate Harley Quinn at that point. So it's just weird <laughs> that, like, oh, isn't it funny that she's getting punched? It's like, I mean, not really. <laughs> and I, I, it has been a while since I've seen a Batman movie anyway. But... I never knew Batman to just mindlessly punch people. <laughs> he He's a martial arts expert. I imagined if, if Harley Quinn was charging at Batman to attack him, that Batman would maybe, like, use her momentum against her and, like, yeah. flip her or kind of, like, like move Disarm to the side her. or something. Not yeah. just... Yeah, I, I know what's going to put her in her place. A fucking metal fist in her face. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's just so blunt. Like, it's just like, I think that's why people were laughing, because it's just like, really? He just punches her? Like, like it's almost the Indiana Jones shooting the whip guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, at least that, there is comedic value, because the whole point is like, oh, Indiana Jones is so good. You know, with his whip, it's like, oh, the guy has a sword. What's he going to do? Nah, eh, he's just going to shoot him. That's kind of funny because he doesn't have the time. Batman isn't a superhero, but, like, he like he doesn't have superpowers. He has high-tech gear, and he's got martial arts skills and a lot of money. Those are basically his three <laughs> strong suits. So when it comes to that, just punching someone just seems brutish. Like something more of a villain would do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a scene, like, basically all these villains have just met each other for the first time, like, that fucking day, right? Mm. And, you know, they they all hate each other, can't wait to leave. Their first mission is literally, like, the main plot of the film. So it's not like they had, like, time to get to know each other or anything like that. So their first mission all goes to shit, and they're like, fuck it, uh, you know, the mission's over, you know, whatever, we don't care. So they decide to go to a bar... Pop into a bar, have a drink. Mm. Uh, the first at the first sign that they don't officially have to do the mission anymore. Fucking uh, boomerang guy is out. Like he's fucking Splitsville. He's gone. Like he does not give a shit. And then all of a sudden, like you know, uh, Diablo, the guy who's been the least like willing to talk to anybody, all of a sudden he's like, "Man, I lost my family. I'm not gonna lose another one." And this is like, wait. Your your family now? <laughs> How many scenes were cut out to establish that you were a family that I didn't see? Yeah, like, you guys haven't even had, like, a full-fledged conversation yet. Like, do you even know Harley's last name? <laughs> you know? Do you even know she's a doctor? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, where the fuck is this coming from? What do, you, what do you mean you guys are family? What do you mean you guys are cool? Like, Killer Croc would probably bite your head off in the first second he got. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? The only reason you're doing this is because there are goddamn bombs strapped in the back of your necks. He can't distinguish Harley from an actual clown. <laughs> yeah, I w when I was reading the, um, this was like first when I, when I, when I first started reading comics, it was basically ones that movies were coming out for. So I was reading Deadpool and I read the new 52, uh, Suicide Squad where Harley Quinn was in there because I was reading the Harley Quinn new 52. So I was like, yeah, Harley, I, I like her character a lot and she's in this. I'll read this. Mm -hmm. It was known that they knew each other, but from like past experiences, but like they weren't really close. They weren't, but like, friends. <laughs> they weren't friends, yeah, like, 
they they had mutual interests and mu- mutual dislikes, so they worked together. But yeah, it was really nah. You've got bombs strapped to your neck, so that's a pretty big motivation to do what yeah. the fuck they tell you to do. Yeah, like on their time off, they weren't going to hang out together. Right. I never got that feeling. I got that they have a whole bunch of missions that they've done together, and so because of that, we have to deal with each other. But it's not like, hey, after this done, you want to pop by a bar and, and, you know, catch up? No. See, also in the comic books, there wasn't a lot of time. There wasn't a lot of downtime. Yeah. It was just mission. Oh, fuck. That mission didn't go didn't go exactly as planned. Now we're on, like, mission B. Now we gotta go over here and save this guy. Okay, now that mission's done, now we're on another one. Because, like, they're slaves to the government. Why would they yeah. not use them every opportunity they had? Why would you give them any freedom? And the problem with the movie is that, like... Whereas, you know, a comic is sort of like, all right, it's going on the different adventures, so it's episodic and that sort of thing. With the movie, you're trying to make a statement, right? That's what I feel like the point of making a movie should be. Yeah. The point of making a movie out of a longstanding franchise is that you're trying to say something collectively about either the character or what the characters mean. Mm. And this movie could have represented the idea of, uh, you know, a government that... that uh, that is doing things that are shady that they feel for the is for the greater good, but could be sacrificing its morality in in place of that. You know what I mean? And the movie just kind of pays lip service to the whole idea, but it just mainly becomes about like what the mission was to save Amanda Waller. Why? <laughs> but at, that was fucking months ago. I'm pretty sure people don't want to hear about that shit now. <laughs> They want to hear about the hundredth episode. Oh, they want fuck. to hear us talk about Act a Fool by Ludacris. That, yeah, you know, they don't <laughs> want to hear about a movie that's a year old. They want to hear a movie that's a decade old. <laughs> it's a really good fucking song though. Check that. Ever since that movie, th- these songs have been going downhill, boy. I tell you. So we don't have an album to review this week because we wanted to designate time for a question and answer segment. We've gone a hundred episodes and we've never done a Q and A segment. I know podcasts that do it every five, and for whatever reason, we're just now getting around to it. This first person asked me, Do you think sometime in the future, white rappers should be able to freely say nigga like any other rapper without consequence? Because I feel like at this point, it's just a word in the hip-hop lingo. I would say sure. It's gonna seem weird at first, and I imagine if anyone says like, Nah, this ain't working, they'll probably just stop. <laughs> like no. like the first person that does it if it's not like if it's not like Eminem like like if it's someone that like not a whole lot of people respect like maybe G Easy if he tries it and they're like nope can't do it they're like all right it was worth a shot <laughs> back to the drawing board I feel like Eminem has set a precedent for being like a white rapper who respects like the black origins of hip hop so much that he won't say it that he just won't yeah. That, like, no future white rapper who would be taken seriously and be worth their salt would say it now, you know? I know who absolutely would get crucified for it. Who? Goddamn Macklemore. (laughs) Yeah, he's not saying... I think it, it would have to be someone who is so ingrained in, like, black culture, like... Like, in that it's not like a fucking, um... It's not a fucking put-on, like, with uh, Riff Raff, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, Macklemore is a is in hip-hop, but he comes from a very, like, he's not from, you know, a black neighborhood. And you know he's not from a black neighborhood. You know he's not from a neighborhood that speaks in that way. Mm. And so he doesn't pretend that he's someone who speaks in that way. And that's how, that's why I respect him. And someone who is not a part of that culture doesn't come from a culture that says the N-word in a way that's not supposed to be derogatory towards black people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure there were white people around him who probably said the N-word. It's just, you know, those usually weren't people that were uh, really nice people. There's a big reason why ICP throw ninja around. Yeah, yeah, even insane clown posse. They're not even the most respected. It's actually their thing to shock you. And even they won't say the They won't touch it. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody says, what do you think is the absolute worst rap album of all time? Uh, This is... Oh, should we say the names of the person? Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, the last person was Mr. Flipper Invader 782. Okay. Uh, and this person is Michael Primula. He says, what do you think is the absolute worst rap album of all time? I mean, I, I can only speak to what I've listened to, you know? Yeah, see, I don't that's know about pro- all time. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of these albums. Like, people think that because I'm a rap critic, I've listened to, like, everything. It's yeah, like, right. No, I, I don't like to have my time wasted. Like, <laughs> like you know, I'm not going out of my way to listen to a Lil Uzi Vert album if I don't have to. You know, like, I don't seek out the worst. I'm not looking for Silk the Shocker's discography. So, like, when people ask me, like, oh, who's the worst? It could be Silk the Shocker, and I'm pretty sure, like, he's going to be up there. But I haven't listened to his discography enough to really tell you because, you know, I have better things to do with my time. (laughs) I can only speak to the albums that we've reviewed on the podcast or albums that I've listened to in my own time. And yeah, yeah, like yourself, I don't really like to waste my time on shit if it's not like for a video or for a review. Um, Probably the worst one I think we had listened to, in my opinion, would probably be Slime Season 2. It was like 78 minutes. Half of these songs oh my God. were the same thing over and yeah. over and oh, pulling up on them like this, sudden somebody like this, or just like punchlines just getting reused. You know what I mean? And it's just like, how is that? When you hear the same punchline twice, how does that not make you go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, can we redo that? You know what I mean? Like, that's the type of shit that makes me know that you didn't listen to it. Tegan Thompson asks, what artists do you suggest uh, to someone trying to get into modern rap and hip-hop? Hmm. Uh, are there any artists that must be avoided at all costs? <laughs> That's really hard to say because, you know, that really depends on your taste. Someone could derive enjoyment from Lil Yachty, so I wouldn't say, like, never, ever, 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 ever listen to him. You know, like, it, it, it's not like a thing where it's like, if you listen to him, oh, no. Your life is going to be destroyed. No, like a lot of these guys that are, you know, gimmicky and they're big, they're big for the reason of they made music that is at least able to like, I don't know, drill in your head, I guess. Uh, you know what I would say? Actually, the uh, rabbit to avoid, as far as I've heard, would be designer. Okay. Give yeah. that. And the reason <laughs> why, and the reason why is because, uh, I'll put it to you like this. All right. Avoid any artist that you feel is wasting your time. Okay, I think that's fair. Designer put out that uh, that mixtape or whatever, which was just like a whole bunch of like half finished songs and shit. And I feel like okay, if you're putting out a whole bunch of like half finished songs, first of all, you're not ready for the big leagues, and you're wasting my time. You know, I was listening to the podcast with Anthony Fantano and Neil Drop, and they were talking about Lil Yachty. And I mean, I still fucking hate his verse on uh uh. Broccoli, because actually, ironically, the reason why I hate that verse is because it doesn't sound like upbeat enough to match the beat. Because he's all talking about like you know he sounds bored to fucking tears, but like on other songs he sounds doofy and goofy. So it's like, all right, I can see how like it's sort of happy trap music, you know? But it was the song he did with Carly Rae Jepsen that turned you around. Am I right? Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) But, I mean, like, cold, like, Minnesota and, like, shit like that. Like, okay, I can see people enjoying it because of how stupid it is. Like, not everything has to have a message, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, he, maybe he's the red man of our day. Except, you know, red man was actually clever. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> like, but he, his sound is silly. And that's the, like, that's the sound or the or the vibe he's going for. And, and the problem is people put just a general ambiguous vibe before actual you know, content, and that's the problem. There's too much of just the, well, it kind of sounds like it has a flow, instead of actually, you know, giving you something underneath that, that's what I kind of have a problem with. But uh, I could even see value in Lil Yachty. Lil Vert, absolutely not. And the reason why is, once again, the point that you said, just the idea of repetition. We already have Young Thug. We already mm-hmm. have the, like, the high-pitched, squeaky, yeah. you know, He's weird, but you're still supposed to think he's, like, a super thug at the same time, you know? <laughs> like, he's nerdy, and he's supposed to be gangster at the same time, you know? And it's just like... Like, you're trying to have the best of both worlds, you know? And I guess as far as suggestions go, because if it's just suggestions, I can only speak to my own personal tastes. But I would say artists worth checking out as far as modern, and by modern, I'm just gonna say current day, mm. um, would be Kendrick... 
Uh, yeah. Run the Jewels. Oh, yeah. Danny Brown. Definitely Danny Brown. Which is weird, because he also has the... <laughs> but yeah, it really just comes down to, like, are you in the mood for some, like, lyrics that are gonna make you laugh with, like, clever wordplay or punchlines? Do you want something that's more conscience that, uh, conscious that's gonna make you think? Do you want something mindless to dance to? Like, it's, yeah. it's really up to your own personal taste. I, I would like to have a rapper that really makes me laugh, though. Chris, Christoph Zalat says... With the current development of rap going towards mumbling nonsense, where do you think future rap will go? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the mumblecore thing will will affect future rap. As, as all things that come before uh, a, the, whatever the next genre is will be influenced by the genre that was most prominent before it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, the shiny suit era, you know, let's not forget <laughs> that that was a time in hip-hop. Uh-huh. You know, let's not act like things just got bad now. You know, so there's always going to be the mainstream representation that's kind of crap. Uh, my job is to just, I don't know, hope that the next generation of people will be slightly more critical of the music they consume and be like, okay, you can have that and it could be it's fun, but let's have music that means more than that. So um, where do I think the future of rap will go? It will go wherever the people are going. If yeah. the people feel like, uh, you know... The mumbling stuff is what they're good with right now because like somebody I keep referring back to this but I can't remember what the fuck the article it was like you know maybe there are a lot of kids right now that feel like what these people are doing and saying and doing with their sound is relating to them the most and maybe it's not on a uh, intellectual level but maybe on a psychological level it's just like oh yeah I have to wake up at like 7 o'clock in the morning to get to school and this guy kind of fills me with you know the way he sounds you know what I mean so, like, hey, maybe people are feeling that right now. And maybe in a few years, people will be on some sort of... Uh, uh, the mood will be, like, some drug that, like, speeds up things. And so maybe the next big thing will be rappers going really fast or something like that. And and maybe that, uh, it, it, like, they'll be speed mumble rapping. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, maybe that'll be the next thing. Because it'll be, like, influenced by this thing that's happening. or Or maybe there will be... Like, Vine will, uh, mm. you know, the idea of videos being quicker, maybe that will inspire people to do things quicker. Like Songs it, it will just be really short. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a drug, but it could just be, like, this event of a song, and then people are just mixing them into other songs and making, like, hyper-mixes of these shorter songs, you know? And that could be the next thing. Who knows? Because right about now with the election and everything and everything and, like, turmoil pretty much one could assume that rap might get more political and more conscious but it's hard for me to say it could easily be like people would be like no i i have enough of this i want something i want some escapism i don't want to constantly be reminded of how horrible things are in my music that that's why i listen to music to get away from it so it's really hard to guess it's hard to gauge paul the lurker said, um, do you think someone claiming to be the queen of rap can ignore a battle rap that she kind of started? If you're going to say, I'm the queen of this rap shit, well, if someone prominent comes at you for the throne, you got to say something. You can't just be like, I'm still the queen of rap. I'm just not going to respond to you. Like, uh, no, that's not how that works. We talked about this briefly on last week's show, and people commented that um, uh, you guys didn't talk about the follow-up, and that's because we recorded the episode before the follow-up even came out. I don't think if you're the queen of rap, you necessarily have to respond in song form, uh. but you need to fucking shut them down somehow, either yeah, with yeah. a really, really damning, uh, damaging tweet, maybe not necessarily a diss track. I think just a song that shows your your ability and how skilled of a rapper you are, I think, says enough. You know, like, this is why I'm the queen, because I can do this, I put these words together, I can do, like, my flow is like this. And then just be like, okay, you produce something as good as that. It doesn't even need to be insulting, it could just be a really yeah, good yeah. song. Uh-huh. People are gonna remember that over a fucking diss track anyway, you know? Yeah. Like, very few diss tracks are, are considered decades later like classic songs unless you know 100% of the context like the Ice Cube NWA 
um, beef, which is why, like, No Gasoline still gets brought up. And it's also, it's a really good song, but it's also a really good diss track. And when Remy comes with uh, Sheether, it was a really good diss track, but it wasn't necessarily a really good song. Will either of you be able to review songs that you love or like? I've done that. I've done plenty of songs that I liked. What's the most emotionally inspiring rap or lyric you've heard? What's the most clever rap lyric, rap or lyric you've heard? Individually. Let's go with that one. Because someone said most, what album is the most influential? I'm not sure if that really works because influence can kind of go to different places for different generations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, it's just too vague of an answer to really work. You know, um, you'd have to narrow it down to a time frame, you know. (laughs) Um, But what is the most clever rap lyric you've heard? Well, clever rap song, like as in like, it's so awesome that I had to rewind it. I got to go back to that verse on the mystery of chess boxing. Oh, yeah. and, and I'm just saying that because it was the first time I ever rewinded a verse. Mm. Like, it was so incredible. And I was like, wait. <laughs> like, I just had to hear it again. And, like, that to me kind of says, like, oh, my God. That that means so much. Uh, you, know, you know what I'll say? I'm going to go with just the easiest thing I could think of where uh, Eminem says, um, hold on a second. Uh, I'm not afraid. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. Where he makes like a fucking quadruple entendre and shit. <laughs> you said you were king. You lied through your teeth. For that, fuck your feelings. Instead of getting crowned, you're getting capped. Like that's that's pretty good. <laughs> like that's like you said you were king. You lied through your teeth. Fuck your feelings. You're crowned and capped. Like holy shit. <laughs> It's like eighteen. It's like four different metaphors just whirled together. <laughs> I've heard some really good lines from, like, Diabolic. Um, re- he brings it really strong. But, man, when it comes to, like, cleverness, I'm drawing a fucking blank, and I feel I feel so dumb because there's so many times we've, like, mentioned that on the show of, like, just being, like, amazed at, like, the cleverness of the punchlines of some of the songs that, of the albums we review. But I just can't think of, like, one in particular right now. Uh, you know what I'll say? Yeah, Put You On Game is probably one of the dopest fucking lyrics because it's all about what the dope game is and how, like, it's more than just, like, a drug dealer. It's, like, around the world screwing over, like, everyone. The idea of addiction and being addicted to a drug and how it's how that is an industry that is, you know, sucking up uh, people's lives and taking away, you know the wealth of many to, you know, become the wealth of the few. I am the blood of this city. It's gas, water, and electricity. I'm its gym and its math and its history. The gunshots in the class. And you can't pass if you missin', G. I taught them better than that. I taught them aim for the head and hope they never come back. I'm glad your daddy's gone, baby. Hope he never comes back. I hope he's with your mother, with my hustlers high in my trap. I hope you die in this trash. I can't help it. All I hear when you're crying is laughs. I'm sure somebody will find you tied in this bag behind the hospital, little baby crack addicts had. Then maybe you can be up to be, maybe you can grow up to be a stripper, a welfare receiving prostitute and gold digger. You can watch on TV how they should properly depict you. The river shall flow with liquors. Quench yourself on my elixirs. It's just, oh my God. <laughs> I think I'm going to cheat here and I'm just going to say that the most clever rapper that I listen to regularly is probably Aesop. And I don't think we really, we haven't even mentioned him yet. And I can't single out a specific line from an Aesop rock song. Do you remember Labor Days? So the visiting hours pulled in a big flock of nothing. She never spoken once through the span of her life until she leaned forward, grinned, and pulled the nurse aside. And she said, look, I've never had a dream in my life because a dream is what you want to do but still haven't pursued. I know what I wanted, and I did it till it was done. So I've been the dream that I wanted to be since day one. And it's just like, well, the nurse jumped back. She'd never heard Lucy even talk, especially words like that. She walked over to the door and pulled it close behind. Then Lucy blew a kiss to each one of her pictures, and she died. Like, that sort of revelation that someone was happy the whole time. That right. That's something that you don't really get in a lot of songs, no. especially like in the sort of doom and gloom of Aesop Rock. Yeah. 
There's a good bit of that. It's sort of weird that there's a song that's just like strangely happy. (laughs) We're like, you know, it's just like, no, she was fine. You know, there was never like a thing that she was missing. She was content with her life. She knew what she wanted. It's the, it's a realization that's on the opposite side of the spectrum of Dance with the Devil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where the realization is horrifying and still manages to stick with you for years, but not in the same way. I still don't even want to say what the uh, the end of that song yeah, is. No, I don't want to spoil uh, yeah, uh, Dance with the Devil by Immortal Technique. If you've never listened to that one, uh, yeah, listen to that one. I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> Very rarely do rap songs come with spoiler warnings. Oh, by the way, that last one was Travis Odenoff. Oh, okay. uh, last one here is uh, Jamie Kelly. An album that has disappointed you the most. <laughs> oh. Hmm. Ra- ra- rap artist or just artist in general? I think just artist in general. Oh, shit. Uh, the, first thing, the first name that comes to mind is Chino. We were waiting so long for uh, the, the reconstruction. It was like a double album, and you, you could maybe make an, a single album worth... Of the good songs, you know, you know what I'd say. I would say uh, J Cole's first album when oh, he first okay. came out, because he was a rapper from North Carolina, mm. and I was like, "Holy shit, he's gonna fucking prove the game wrong!" And it just, it just didn't hit as hard as you wanted it to, you know. And it was kind of like halfway through the album, you're just kind of like, "Oh, this isn't gonna be as good as," <laughs> you know. Um... So that's one that's definitely disappointed me a lot. Also, Lupe's latest album, where it was like, you know that Lupe can create these like worlds within worlds and lyrics within lyrics, and it's just like, there's just one too many songs where he just doesn't want to do that for some reason. Mm. I mean, I guess it's hard. <laughs> there's no way it's easy, <laughs> you know? Over at my Patreon, we got five lined up. So the first question we got here from Dump Hop is what are some good anti-Trump songs? And one song comes to mind immediately, the one we recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But besides that, I don't know if the website's up anymore. I know the the songs are still on Spotify. There was a website that originally was called uh, 30 Songs for 30 Days, and it was artists compiling anti-Trump songs that they had written. And there was some music videos produced for some of them. Some of them were really fucking good. Other ones weren't so good. And then when the 30 days ended, they changed it to 40 songs for 40 days. I know Franz Ferdinand had one that, w- that was really hard-hitting. Um, Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric had one that was good. A lot of names that you'd see pop up on there, like Moby and R.E.M., uh, that you wouldn't expect to see. It was really a who's who. So that's a good place to start. I haven't heard any... From the mainstream yet. Like, I've heard off-references. Like, I know Run the Jewels made one in their song with DJ Shadow, but I don't know if that really counts as a whole anti-Trump song. Yeah, um, I mean... Oh, I know one. It, it, it can count, I guess. Uh, we the People by uh, A Tron yeah. Quest. Yeah, actually, I would say that, because it's all about how all the... All the bad folks must go. And I know people were probably expecting to say, like, fuck Donald Trump, that song, but he's, uh... Oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. (laughs) Why he's not really, like, a a master of uh, making any strong, concrete points? Like, it's a good sort of, like, rallying cry, I guess, to have out there, but it's not really, like, a good song by itself, you know Mm. what I mean? The next question I have is from Nikki W, and he asks, what are some of your favorite DJ premiere beats? I couldn't tell you. I'm not that up on, like, knowing who produces what. I'm not that knowledgeable when it comes to that, so I really couldn't tell you. A lot of Gangstar's beats I really like. Mm. Like, um, like, he really does give him the best, like, um, mass appeal, of course, Oh, fucking course I gotta say Mass Appeal, just cause of that fucking sample. Uh, like, who would have thought to fucking sample a kid? The fucking, uh, money's growing like grass with the Mass Appeal, and taking that little short guitar riff and making that the main thing, the... 
Like, oh, that's fucking, that's fucking, that's nice. That's just nice. Ty McDaniel asks, who are your favorite artists to see live? Has any particular concert changed your life? The first concert I ever went to was in Wilmington. Like, the first rap concert. Mm. Or, um, and it was when I, I went to see, like, a local group, like, Brown Company, and they had all these other acts and, like, guys I'd never heard before. But it was, like, the first time I really experienced hip-hop. I was maybe, like, I don't know, like, 13 or 14 or something like that. And it was just so great being there live and feeling the, the music that's way too goddamn loud, you know? But, it, like, yeah. you just feel it in your chest, you know? Like, you feel it, like, in the soles of your feet and shit, you know? So, like, just being a part of that moment was uh, really cool, um... It was the first time, like, hip-hop really felt, like, like alive to me. Yeah. You know? uh, and, oh, and going... So I actually got to go up on stage, and uh, there was this one guy who, like, put on a blindfold, and, like, they gave a whole bunch of items to me to give to him, uh, and he would freestyle about the item that he was holding, so he had to just oh, yeah. figure out what it was. While oh, he, shit. So he was like, he was just rapping, no, no beat, and he was just like, uh, like, who, who the fuck gave me a compact disc? Send this shit back because you know I don't take mixtapes or something like that. I uh, <laughs> like, so he would just kind of go on like that. And I was like, holy shit! And I'm just handing him things while he's rapping about that. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> I think you the know. first artist I saw live that I was conscious. Uh, that I was conscious for because apparently when I was like a toddler I went to see the uh the Ninja Turtles concert. <laughs> oh, did that change your life, bro? Oh yeah, it sure did. That was my first memory. No, I I don't remember that <laughs> shit. Um I saw Weird Al in 2001 and that was when I was a fucking serious Weird Al mark. So that was really cool. Um other favorite artists would be uh They Might Be Giants. I've saw them twice. Um, local band Dollar Signs. I try to see them as often as possible. It's been a while, unfortunately. Um, if you're not familiar with Dollar Signs, um, I used to use their a song of theirs as the intro for my videos for a while, after I st stopped using the Ben Folds song when I made the switch from Blip to uh, YouTube. Um, MC Chris is really a good show live. He's very funny. It's kind of like... He'll perform a couple songs, then he'll do some comedy, and he'll interact with the crowd, and that's always fun. Um, probably a, sh a, sh a show that I could remember that changed my life would probably be the hallway concert Sam has performed at MacFest. That was, like, the most, like, who the fuck is this? This is incredible. Like, I never felt that way at a concert before, but, like, when she's performing that song about, like, uh, not wanting to do love songs, and she, like, gets off the stage, and she's, like, walking through the audience, and she falls to her knees, and she's, like, smacking the floor. It's like, holy shit, what am I watching? Like, that was that was a life-changing moment. So, yeah, I got, I got to give it up to her. Raza Hussein, I want to say. I'm terribly sorry if I'm uh, mispronouncing your name. He says, uh... Congrats for going off 100 times. You must be proud for not staying on topic for a whole podcast. <laughs> uh, I was wondering, uh, Rap Critic, if you're ever going to do a video with Dead End Hip Hop again, and if possible, bring along Muse. Also, what are your favorite YouTubers that you would recommend? I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't want to speak for you, but it's not as easy to take me along, really, unless... Where are Dead and Hip Hop? In Atlanta? They're in Atlanta. Well, I, I guess it would be easy if our schedules lined up. I, I don't know if they'd necessarily know who I am, so it'd be weird to just be like, hey, can my friend come? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm getting a lot into, like, uh, people who talk about, like, like, social justice shit, I guess. Because, like, just because they talk a lot, and, like, I'll, I'll just be, you know, just playing, like, video games or something like that, mm. and hearing them talk about, like, you know, 
problems in video games and shit. So yeah. I'm like, I'm killing people while they talk about, like, it's probably a bad idea. To have. <laughs> They're like, you know, that, that violence synthesizes people. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I still really like this video game. <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, Tom Avella. Tom Avella? Yeah. He's pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't agree with everything that he says, but it's like, there was, there's a mini thing he did about, on like, buzzwords for the right. I like, uh, ContraPoints is really cool too. I was just gonna mention that because you, you turned me on to his stuff. This is really fucking weird. He has this one part of the video where he's, uh, he has a video called, Why White Nationalism is Wrong. And it's like, first of all, why the fuck do we even need to have this video? But alright. <laughs> like, why do we really need to tell you that white nationalism is wrong? But then it's like, wait, look at the cultural climate right now. Yeah, we need to have a video telling you why white nationalism is wrong. But then he, like, he has, like, on, like, a thong and, like, uh, basically nothing else. And he's, like, running through the snow. It's just like he has like really cool social commentary where he talks about shit and then just does a whole bunch of other random shit with it that's completely, it would have been a whole b- lot shorter to make a video if he hadn't have done it, but just the fact that he puts that shit in there just makes you like, you know what, I respect that. Yeah, if you <laughs> oh, just go. Oh, wait, let me do what that guy says. Me respect that. <laughs> I'm just going to, just going to tell you, Google or look on YouTube, uh, the video, what the alt-right fears and just look at the thumbnail. That tells oh, you. Yeah. All you need to know of, like, what you're getting yourself into. I watched that video and I was just like, yep, I gotta see every video from this point on, because it's, it's well written, it's well presented, there's so much effort put into a video that, yeah, it's just like, it's a social commentary thing, it's just someone talking, but there's so much more effort put into it that it, it brings it to that next level. A lot of what I've been watching right now, like, if I look at my fucking watch later list, it's still basically a lot of, like, Let's Play stuff. It's basically what I watch on YouTube anymore. Or that, and Screen Junkies, uh, you know, when they put out a, uh, what you call it, an honest trailer, um, Mm. Lindsay's stuff. uh, Sure, yeah. And, uh, Ray Rose Show? He talked about the BLM, the, the so-called hashtag BLM kidnapping. Oh, yeah. And he called out Grade A Under A for, like, making a video called, like, oh, this is a, the Black Lives Matter kidnapping. It was just like, dude, I thought you were smarter than that. Like, why would you make, you know what I mean? Like, why would you title the video like that and play into the sensationalism? Yeah, I, I wish I followed more channels that I feel that deserve a shout out you know like because most of the channels i watch are already doing pretty well so i yeah. feel like eh, like i'm not really you know breaking new ground like i still watch game grumps a good bit achievement hunter got into them red letter media are still really good um i'll, I'll shout out super mega because the, the, they're kind of like more on the way up uh oni oni ng oni plays i've been watching him a lot lately it's mostly a lot of video game stuff um just kind of, that's just where I'm at right now. Just I, I just like watching people play games and talk about bullshit. That, that, that's really funny to me. Uh, the Young Turks channel, I'll give them a shout out. Um, and the last question we got from my Patreon is just from Ed. Simply Ed. Uh, do you guys plan... Oh, I love Ed. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. <laughs> do you plan on taking the Going Off podcast to events outside the East Coast? I'm far from there, and it would be awesome to see you guys live. I like that he asks this question as if we've toured the entire East Coast. <laughs> and we're just... We're to one place! <laughs> we just haven't gone to the West Coast. We've only done the one panel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, granted, like, honestly, yeah, man. I, like, I'd love if we made this, like, a regular thing. First I'd also all, love if we made some money so we could do that. <laughs> if we made some money, that would be great. If the demand was there, that would be great. Like, I appreciate the, qu- the, the, the question and the curiosity, Ed. But honestly, Ed, you're the <laughs> first person to ever ask that. <laughs> so, I don't know if we'd have the best of luck booking a venue for a fucking live thing that nobody knows who the hell we are. Unless, unless you got, you got dough like that, you know, and you try to fly us out. <laughs> if, you, if you got the dough... If you if you want to p- fucking put our names out there and shout us out some at, at some places, 
That helps. Word of mouth always helps. If he was like actually like fucking Elon Musk or some shit, it was just like done deal. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, dude, flying you out, hooking you up with this thing. We gonna get your name out there. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Somebody said one of the best and worst things about being the rap critic. Chris Davis said this. I I don't really. I, I guess the best thing is people liking to hear what my opinion is. Sure. I mean, like, I I think you, sh- you know, you probably feel the same, right? Just like knowing that people are interested in your opinion, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I just take a lot of joy in people finding my stuff amusing. Pardon the mm-hmm. pun, but like being like entertained by it. Like <laughs> amusing. <laughs> yeah, like especially now, like I don't really... Uh, well, I mean, I'm doing the Muse reviews now, which are just kind of like unscripted things. But for the most part, I just like to think... People, you know, look forward to the videos. Like, that's a really good feeling. Like, uh, whenever you get a comment where it's like, man, I've been having a really shitty day, then I saw this video was uploaded and it made my day. Like, that's fucking awesome. Especially when, like, I'm seeing people are getting used to, like, the going off schedule. And, like, they're like, oh, man, my my fucking week isn't complete without the going off podcast. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. What's the worst part? The worst part is, uh... When I don't get my check when I'm supposed to. <laughs> That's pretty shitty. Yeah. Cause, like, right now, <clears throat> I, I have not gotten paid yet. And the Patreon was supposed to go through, and I'm like, oh, come on, guys, I got, I got bills to pay, man. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, come on, man. You know, because it's like, it's the internet, and so, like, a million things could go wrong, where you'd be like, oh, Patreon's headquarters was hijacked or some shit, and so oh, no. it's going to take another week or something like that you know where it's your where it's your if it's like a job that's you know close to you it's just like oh your check comes in at this date and you get paid but with the internet there's excuse me there's always that possibility that it just doesn't go through and there's no one you can really say anything to that will give you an immediate answer you know what i mean yeah uh someone asks for rap critic favorite outcast album for muse favorite beatles album I don't know why people don't think I could have a favorite Outkast album, but fine. Uh, my my favorite Beatles album is probably a toss up between Rubber Soul and Revolver. Uh, it really depends on my mood that day. Your favorite Outkast album? Only rap fan on the podcast? <laughs> um, hmm. Because I used to play it just so goddamn much, I would probably say The Love Below. Oh, okay. Uh, and I know that's not, like, the best one. Like, people probably say, that like, matter. St- like, Stankonia, and I could see that being, like, that also being there, but just going, like, how good it is, plus just the nostalgia factor, I would probably say The Love Below. Like, that's what I'm going to be listening to. That's what I probably listen to the most, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But um, I do also love Stankonia. Uh, that's their closest to flawless album, mm-hmm. I think. Well, but, Like, every album, I feel like, got better and better and better up into Stankonia. And then The Love Below was like an album that could have been perfect, but they were like, the parts were too far apart, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily my opinion on that matter doesn't count. Moving on to the next question. <laughs> um, a, a question for me, which is weird. I know Rap Critic has already had a few albums under his belt, but has Muse ever considered making music? Uh, not seriously I've um I've attempted to write rap lyrics before but not like with any intent of like recording them really like I think it's just fun sometimes like I'll get in a mood and I'll just like write a couple verses down just to kind of like have fun uh but no just don't be looking forward to that if you were (laughs) looking forward to that they call you the music man huh I Mm. like that no um. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, Evan Mott says, do you guys play any games? If you do, what are you playing? At the moment, no. I was playing Fallout 4 a lot. Then I was playing the PS4 Skyrim. Uh, but I'm really not much of a gamer. I'm more someone that watches other people play games than one that plays them himself. Uh, d- dude, I am playing the absolute shit out of uh, 
Tekken Tag Team Tournament 2. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> that is my shit right now. Dude, I love the fucking Tekken franchise. Yeah. I'm, it is funny because it's such like the the C-level like fighting game. Because you, know, you think of fighting game, first things, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. And then like second or third is maybe like Soul Calibur and Tekken. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I hate that because those games are always awesome to me. <laughs> Sean William Birch says, who are overrated classic rappers, in your opinion? Uh, I like that. I like the way that that question is phrased, because it's basically going to say, who are you going to say that people are going to fucking hate you for? <laughs> Give me an opinion that's wrong. Um, I've never... I'm not going to say he was overrated, so fuck you, but um, I've never been able to get into Tupac. Hmm. So he would he would probably be my answer if I were to say, you know, uh, well, no, I'm I'm not gonna say that. I'm just gonna say I've never been able to get into him. Most overrated, Jay Z. Because like a lot of the guys that are like classic, that maybe I don't see are so great. I just never listen to them. I don't know how controversial this will be, but like Guru. Okay. And I know he just recently died a year or so ago, but, like, he was lyrical, but his flow always felt slightly off. And, like, you just listen to some of his songs, and it kind of sounds like, it just sounds like, yeah, you got lyrics, but it just feels like every now and then you're just like, I might, uh, I might, uh, ah, I can never come up with one immediately. I just know that from the songs I've heard, it always just sounded slightly off, where it's just like, I... You know what? I'll just listen to Rock Him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was always like that because he has a full flow that goes, and you can feel it. But uh, as much as I like Premier's beats, Guru's always been like the sort of like uh, you could do a little better. Uh, and of course, of course, a tribe called Quest. I mean, I'm gonna keep saying this, but I just don't think their old stuff is like lyrically that you know up to par with other guys of the day. Like, I mean. Guru is still lyrical, it's just his flow felt weird every now and then. Someone asks an interesting question. Um, your favorite Pokemon? <laughs> My favorite Pokemon? Uh, well, I can't say Pikachu. Well, I mean, you okay. can, if that's your answer. Pikachu! <laughs> My diamond, they say Pikachu! They're gonna wink at you! Uh, my favorite Pokemon. Um, growing up, it used to be Golbat. Oddly enough, Golbat. <laughs> yeah, I okay. don't know. He used to be really cool. I don't remember. I think it was something about like he was like my height or my weight or something like that. Oh, and you know, kids are just attached to stupid shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, oh hey, I like that. <laughs> you know, he's like me now, or or maybe like a uh, Machamp. Uh, I mean, um, uh, what's the first? I think that's ma- m- uh, Machop. Machop. Because mm. he looked the most like a black boy. It's weird. Oh, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> like, doesn't he kind of look like a. He looks like a blue version of a black kid. <laughs> he, I don't know. And, and he loses that immediately when he evolves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think just as a kid, my brain just made that connection. Uh, fucking. Uh, Cloyster used to always whoop ass. Ooh, yeah. I like Cloyster, because he just looks so fucking cool. Um, and Gengar. Gengar was always cool to me. Mostly because, like, when you get the toy versions of them, it's like that bl- that purple see-through weird sort of thing. Mmm. You know what I mean? And so it always looked different than the other Pokemon, you know? Uh, Molly wants me to uh, name drop uh, Punkaboo. <laughs> who is fucking adorable. It's like a jack-o'-lantern. With a candle. It's a ghost of a jack-o'-lantern. It's a ghost of a jack-o'-lantern. Thank you. Um, I'm a fan, but the one I always go to, and I know this isn't... <laughs> I don't know if anyone else listening, but Sigilith? Does this name ring a bell to you at all? No. Okay, hold on. Um, Wait, It looks like a pick. <laughs> do you see it? Yeah, yeah. It's just... <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it. It looks like a pick. It's got like like tongs, but it floats, and it's got wings and like three eyes. 
first time I saw it pop up when I was playing Pokemon Black, it was like one of the most intimidating Pokemon I'd ever seen because it just looked so fucking weird and I couldn't tell what the hell it was. Big shout out to Sandshrew. <laughs> that little guy is so goddamn cute. It's too fucking much. I would say almost cuter than, 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 uh, than Pikachu if I had to say. Really? I'd have to say, he's got the little claws and he does a little <laughs> wiggle dance. <laughs> If you were to challenge one another to go through an artist's entire discography, which would you pick? Like, I challenge you to go through so-and-so? I guess just to listen to their stuff. I'm, guess I'm guessing that that's what it is. I don't know if that's a challenge or a recommendation. I'm not I sure. Would challenge, I would challenge you to go through Tupac's. Ah, okay. Mm. I would probably challenge you to go through MC Chris's. <laughs> because uh, I know somewhere in there you'd find some songs you'd like. <laughs> Not too many, probably, but they'd be in there. Okay, so here's one from Amy Beth Greenblatt. Uh, who would you want to see collab? Could be of any genre. Ooh, jeez. Okay, I would love to see Kendrick Lamar and Lupe Fiasco, or... Lupe Fiasco in Childish Gambino. I would mark out if David Byrne of Talking Heads did a song with They Might Be Giants. <laughs> I can see that. Right? Like it, it feels like it would like it would happen naturally, but like maybe they just keep missing each other. I don't know. Um here, here's an interesting question. Um what's your favorite album that is considered really bad by others? Um a lot of people don't like uh, lasers, but I actually enjoy it. Mm. Uh, I hate to go back to MC Chris, but he gets a lot of hate. <laughs> um, I'd probably say out of his stuff, probably like um, either, oh gosh, Race Wars is a good one. And so is uh, MC Chris Goes to Hell is a good one. Um, but I don't know if they're necessarily hated. What is the worst song or album made by your favorite artist? I'm I'm going to pull out Devo on this one. I really mm. like Devo, but it's mostly the older stuff. And if I had to pick a worst, I would say it would be their album Shout. Um, I don't know how many people are going to even really get what I'm talking about. It was their 1984 album. It's almost all electronic stuff, like hardly any actual like organic instruments. Um, I think it was, I think it was their last album released on Warner Brothers before Warner Brothers was like, "Get the fuck out! This is garbage!" and kicked them off. Yeah, it was their most like new wavy synth poppy, and a lot of the older stuff is kind of like alt punk, kind of like I don't know how you'd even describe it, but it's a, it's a departure of style. The songs are not well written. It's not memorable in any way. It's very of the time, and it's just bad. You know what mine was? Mm. Uh, Life by KRS-One. Oh. Yeah. Which one was that? Uh, that was the one with the microphone on it. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This that is was just bad. The, this is the era of when he just was... Just making bad music. 2006. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. Because it was like the bling, blong, bling, blong. First you hear the bling, <laughs> then you hear the blong. This is the way that the world is wrong. Can't you tell? Bling, blong, rock the bells. <laughs> and this is like, it's like trying to make a concept. And I, I appreciate that there was like a concept there, but it was just like... It was just so weird the way he was doing it. It was just like there was there used to be a TV show with with where a gong gonged, and when the gong gonged, you was gun. Oh <laughs> like, no! It's like, stop it! Ooh, that's really bad. <laughs> uh, this last question is by Gilbert La Lavery. Uh, what was the first rap song that you can recall, or that really won you over to the genre? First song I can recall was Whoop There It Is, but that didn't win me over. <laughs> um, it was, pr it, 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 honestly, it was definitely, I had, a, I was about to say like, eh, if I had to guess, but no, it was definitely something on uh, Slim Shady LP because I didn't really go out of my way to listen to rap music at the time. 
Um, but it was really just like other kids at school were talking about Eminem and it was just like, Ooh, who's this? And I checked him out and was like, Oh, okay. Because just like as a, as a white kid in a school with like 90% other white kids, you know, like you don't really, there wasn't a whole lot of exposure there. Um, but when I heard that it was, and I hate to make it sound like it because it's also a white rapper, but I'm sure that was also part of it where it just seemed like easier to like easier, like more accessible. I want to say, well, I think, I think it's just what happens. Like when you're younger, you look for people who look like you, like, you know, like I wasn't listening to rock. I, I mean, I listened to rock music, but I didn't gravitate to it as much as I did to rap music was True. because, you know, Hey, they look like me. So I guess the first, music that I, first rap music that I listened to that really got me into rap was probably Run DMC. Um, my mom had this, like, you know, of course, before I could buy my own music, uh, my mom had, you know, music, uh, uh, like a tape that, of, like, recorded songs. And I used to listen to that for the longest time. And then I found that she had, like, another, like, you know, basically I just dug through my mom's crates. (laughs) And I found a Run DMC yeah, and I found a Run DMC album, uh, and it was like a best of or something like that. And so, like, that was the first rap that was away from that tape that she had recorded of like other songs that I could listen to. That was like, oh, this is just this artist for an hour. So, like, they were the first like rap I really got to when I was really young. Oh, another question on here. I'm so sorry, but this is a really good one. What was the first album you ever bought with your own money? Uh, first album I bought with my own money was a rock jock compilation (laughs) because I had no music identity. I just knew of a few songs I liked. Um, it had a couple classic rock songs on there that I liked. I was probably eight or nine. Um, I'm not a, no, it, it had to have been close to like, like nine or 10 because like you said, like my own money. The first album I ever bought... This question is by Amy Nero, by the way. Mm. First album I ever bought with my own money, and I think I like got it for Christmas or whatever, uh, was Return to the 36 Chambers, the Dirty Versions by Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> it's so weird that it wasn't Wu-Tang Clan, but I distinctly remember it. I bought that one first, and then I bought uh, the Wu-Tang Clan's first album. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Old Dirty Bastard was really my favorite, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it was that quickly followed by uh, Wu-Tang, and then it was like, I think I got Stankoni as a gift, but yeah. it was like the edited version. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> it's the edited version of fucking Stankoni. Such bullshit. Was that uh, with the fucking Kim and Cookie censored shit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I loved it though, you know. Um but yeah, uh, Return to the 36 Chambers is the first album I ever bought with my own money. Uh, Cuz I remember going into the was it the the FYE store or something oh, like that. Oh yeah. It it, it took uh, a while before I got into like individual artists themselves, but the first one was probably like Weird Al. So honestly, yeah. if if, oh, if that yeah. one wasn't with my own money, the the first album I bought with my own money was definitely a, a Weird Al album. It had to have been. Oh, did you did you get it for free with your uh, paid copy for three months for Entertainment Weekly? Entertainment Weekly is a magazine that <laughs> tells you all about the pop culture of the day. A lot of the CDs I got early on were compilation, and a few of them were uh, Time Life. Yeah, that's what it was, Time Life. It was like Sound of the 80s. I, I got a few of those. <laughs> Oh my god. Weird Al was like the the one guy that introduced me to so many other artists because of like through his parodies and through like mm-hmm. the uh, the polkas. Like one of his one of the polkas, he samples a Devo song and that got me into Devo and it was like one of the songs is like a Talking Heads thing and that got me into Talking Heads. So it's like <laughs> he was like he got me into more shit through like probably unintentional ways i guess like how kids today probably get a lot of their music from like guitar hero and rock band released a few years ago that's really fascinating (laughs) like he was more an introduction to you being a music head than anyone else yeah yeah (laughs) 
That's cool. It's kind of like that for me too, because I, I I wouldn't have gotten into System of a Down if it weren't for Weird Al's Angry White Boy Polka. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, that was a lot of fun. Thank you for your questions. If we didn't get to yours, um, I I, I want to make it a special thing. Like we we I don't want to wait another hundred before we do a Q and A thing again. But um, if you have questions, definitely hold them. Um, because we're gonna try to do another one of these at some point. Um, if this is somehow your first time listening, the hundredth episode, that that's that's that that's cool. Better late than never, I suppose. Um, all the old episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Super easy way. Subscribe to us on iTunes because then you never even have to really think about it. The new episodes just get downloaded automatically, so you're always up to date. Um. More often than not, they're on SoundCloud and iTunes before they're up on YouTube anyway, so that's an easy way to to, to listen to hear them first. Um, follow us on our social media, Facebook and Twitter. Help us out on Patreon. And, geez, for 100 episodes of the Going Off podcast, uh, practically speechless, I'm Muse. And I'm the rap critic, telling you to... Be empathetic to the plight of others, and listen to what they have to say before you comment on something.